Wake up, Sooner Nation. Oklahoma's heating up in the transfer portal as yesterday they got a commitment from Bauer Sharp, and we talked about it. It was a sneaky good transfer. So if you didn't get an opportunity to check out that one, you got to click the video above or check it out after this one. Give it a watch. Give me your thoughts. But today I'm joined by Jay with Unfair Sports, and we are going to walk through just some roster changes for Oklahoma, where they're at in the transfer portal. Who are they going to hit on? Who are they going to miss on? Jay, how are you doing today? What's going on, PG? Thanks for having me uh, with Unfair Sports. Follow me on Twitter. Follow me on YouTube as well as whatever podcasts are down and listen to. Let's talk transfers, baby. Let's talk transfers. And um, listen, I I'm going to rip the Band-Aid off, guys. It looks like Hayden Green's going to Missouri. That's all we're going to say there. But unfortunately, uh, it does not look like he's going to be rejoining the team. I know some people are holding out hopes for that. But there were a couple interesting players that hit the portal today from USC. And <laughs> these are the guys that I want to talk about first. Damani Jackson and Tacker Curtis. So, or Tackett Curtis. For those of you who are not familiar with Tackett Curtis, you need to get familiar with the name. Because he was a 6'2", 225-pound freshman linebacker. And he was productive for the Trojans in his first season. Totaling up 40 total tackles, 24 solos, 2 sacks, 1 forced fumble, 2 fumble recovery. So, Jay, would you go ahead and like to tell the people why in the world we should be focused on Tackett Curtis as a potential target for the Sooners in the transfer portal? I mean, as a true freshman, Tackett was a contributor to USC's defense. Now, granted, that doesn't really say much, right? You know, the way that USC's defense performed, but he's one of those players that could be a cornerstone for what you're trying to do. He can ball, and he's one of those players you kind of want. Like, coming out of the state of Louisiana, I was in shock that, that he was able to get, you know, snatched out of there away from the grasp of um, – of our friends over at you know, uh, LSU. And so watching him play, he has really good vision. He knows where to go. And this is as a true freshman, right? He, he wasn't someone that, you know, I mean, he comes in what he's six, two, two and a quarter and he can hit, he can, he can play in, in coverage. He could defend. He's one of those players you would like to build your defense around. He can be your quarterback at the linebacker position. Yeah, and something that came out for me to notice is he took two visits in 2021 to Oklahoma. He took one in October and one in June, so not during the Brent Venables era. But it looks like Brent Venables might like the kid because when he hit the transfer portal, you saw coaches follow him, Miguel Chavis. You saw Brent Venables. Not to mention, we saw the... Almost entire Oklahoma linebacker room follow this kid. So, reading the tea leaves, it looks like there might be something there between Tackett, Curtis, and Oklahoma. I think that's one that Oklahoma fans need to watch for because Danny Stutzman only has one year left. So, you get an opportunity to bring a young guy in and potentially take over that role as Danny Stutzman will be on his way out. Like the pickup. Yeah, it's good to have additional depth, right? Especially if you can get a talented player like that. He's not one of those players where, I put it like this, we our linebacker room is really good. Like, we've got a pretty solid room itself. But you don't pass on a player like Curtis, right? You know, you let Tackett be one that comes in there 
and let him compete with them, all he's going to do, iron sharpens iron. He's one of those type of players, right? He's one of those that you're going to rotate in and find a way. And if he's, and if he keeps balling out, it'd be between him and McCullough over there at the cheetah row going back and forth. I mean, Samuel Masigo can fight with him, but the vision that Tackett has shown, he can be a special talent for what you're trying to do defensively. No, 100%, 100%. And uh, if Oklahoma is able to stack up more talent in that linebacker room, uh, listen, you're not going to be disappointed. But another guy that I was looking at for Oklahoma that intrigued me when he hit the transfer portal was Domani Jackson. And a lot of people might be asking, well, what's what's the connection there? The connection is Jay Valai. So Alabama was heavy in Domani Jackson's recruitment. And in fact... Alabama almost got the commitment from Damani before he hit USC. Damani's coach or his coordinator ended up at Georgia, as you guys were talking about earlier at or on the roundtable sports. So I looked at it and said, Damani Jackson, Jay Vlai, great relationship there. There's obviously a hole open if Woody Washington leaves. Uh, you've got Des Malone in the transfer portal. You've got Gentry Williams there, but... What a way to add more depth to this team by bringing in a former five-star, not just a former five-star, a guy that's extremely talented. And if you get Damani Jackson in that room, I feel like you probably have one of the best secondaries in college football next year. Yeah, I could totally see that. Now, I mean, I don't think Damani was bad playing this past season. I mean, he's been there two years. Uh, he played a lot of snaps, like set like 600 snaps at corner, 700 and something snaps total at multiple positions. So additional 100 snaps played D line. He was at linebacker. He was everywhere, right? They used him a lot, but 600 snaps at the wide corner spot. And I mean, it was mixed reviews on his ability. But the bigger thing is, is a lot of people ask questions about his technique. I've had a few people make mention of that in a few capacities over the last year, especially with him uh, as a coveted recruit. Was his technique? Can his technique get down? Well, now that his DB coach is gone and he's at Georgia now, Dante's over at Georgia, I mean, it only makes sense for him to follow him. Now, the question is going to be is does, does Domani want to follow him to Georgia and join that pretty pretty stacked room there at, at Georgia, even though, as mentioned before, Georgia's biggest thing is they don't have a lot of experience in the, in the cornerback room, in that secondary room right now. They're still, they've got a lot of talent, just not experience. He has a good chance of being able to play there, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't rule out Oklahoma kicking the tires just to see what's going on there because you never know, could be potential, might not be. Yeah, and I looked at this and said, okay, I don't know if he wants to follow his DB coach who it didn't seem like was developing him all that well at USC. And uh, Jay Valai hasn't done that bad with the corners that he's got right now and Gentry Williams and Woody Washington. I feel like Woody Washington's stock, has, especially in the NFL draft, has only rose since Brent Venables has got here. It seems like Woody has uh, became a more solidified at that corner position. So, hey, I'd feel good about it if Damani yeah. Jackson decided to come be an Oklahoma Sooner. Oh, yeah. we. I mean, you take him. I mean, he's a take. He's a second player that's a take. I don't think that he's a jag like most people would like to try to label some of these players. I don't think he is. I think he's a dude that if you mold him properly and, you know, we talked about this before, you know, Jay Valai was heavy in his recruitment, you know, when he was looking at Alabama, you know, he's looking at Michigan. He's looking at Oklahoma, he's looking at a few places. I would totally see them giving that a shot. That would be totally worth it. Would be totally worth it. 
Now, I want to move into another player that a lot of people are talking about on Twitter, and I expect we're probably coming up into the end game of this recruitment. That's going to be Chris McClellan, uh, the sophomore defensive lineman transferring from Florida. He's going to have two years of eligibility, and a lot of people circled Oklahoma and said, this is the destination. A kid that's from Tulsa, Oklahoma, wanting to come back closer to home. It makes sense. You got Todd Bates here. He develops defensive linemen. This is a more attractive destination than it has been in the past for defensive linemen. However, the consensus on Twitter today has been Missouri and Colorado. Uh, and depending on which fan base you have the most popping up in your Twitter feed, uh, you might see that Colorado fans feel pretty good about uh, their chances with Chris McClellan after he posted a picture on Instagram with Coach Prime. So, I mean, what are you hearing out there about Chris? Because uh, I felt like this was one that Oklahoma needed to land at the transfer portal. Well, I mean, yeah, it's one of those that you want to because he's now not only is he an okay prep, unfortunately he wasn't really recruited by the last regime very hard, and he ended up leaving and going to Florida. So you, you want to win a lot of your local guys. You want to get them to come back, but – be honest, based upon everything that's been saying on social media lately, it looks like it's probably between Colorado and Missouri, and I bet you one of those two are paying a lot of money. If you've been paying attention to what both those schools have been doing, they've been spending tons of money on high-end talent in hopes to flip their stuff around and make sure that their teams are still competitive long-term. Now, we have not yet seen if it is a viable solution to live only in the portal and buying everybody at the level that some teams are. But I'll say this, you'll have sustainable winners if you've got decent coaching. Now, the question is going to be is what those that coaching is going to look like over the next couple of years. We've seen history of how Drinkwitch has done things. He got his first 10-win season. Congratulations. Doesn't wash away how he did the few seasons before. And a lot of times if a coach has had a few years of bad seasons, one good season, they usually taper back into the mean. They always regress back to the mean. So the question for him is what is your mean? What are you going to be long-term. Are you going to be able to be consistently 10 wins like an Ole Miss or Penn State and just be just short? Can you get over the hump and beat a Georgia, beat a Alabama? Or will you start to regress back down and maintain the typical six and seven win seasons like you always had? Get that occasional five that end up getting your coach fired and you repeat the cycle. That's the question we have to ask ourselves. Missouri does have money. They've got, I mean, hell, Waltons are the one of their big NIL people and, you know, they, there's like six of them that are billionaires. So the question's going to be just how, how deep into this game they're going to continue to play. And is it something that's truly sustainable? Because that's usually the problem for people is that you can buy a whole bunch of talent, but you can't, you know, win with it because you can't coach it. Developing is going to be key. See, and I felt like Missouri, at least over the past two years, has done a good job at developing some of those uh, three-star and under kids because, I mean, this year they got the 10-win season, but last year they played some close games, and they even played Georgia close. So I look at it and say uh, if that's any sign that they're able to develop the talent that's three-star and under, I'm curious to see what they could do with the higher, which that doesn't always translate. Some people are really good at developing the lower talent that comes out of high school. And then when they get the four high four and five star guys, they can't do it. So not always a translation, but it's going to be curious to see if that can happen. It doesn't look like Missouri or Oklahoma is going to win the 
recruitment of Chris McClellan, but we'll just have to keep our eyes on it. Maybe we'll pull something out of the bag last minute because, like yeah. I said, I feel like not only do I feel like it's important, I feel like the staff thinks it's important to win this kid. Yeah, winning OK prep. I mean, they, they have the OK prep agenda going on right now. If you know the 25 classes, just about all the Oklahoma kids are basically crystal balled or predicted or whatnot to go to Oklahoma. You know, you've got probably one or two out of the top 15 that aren't going to come to Oklahoma. So their goal is to get as many OK preps as possible. Look at the 2024 class. You know, that was the focus to get the local kids, as many local kids as possible. If you can get them on scholarship or PWO with a nice NIL package, whatever you got to do, get them here. Because the most important thing is, is if you can lock down your own local base, Chris McClellan's don't leave. They'll want to stick around and be a part of the growth of what's going on here and be part of a team that's contending for championships. That has been the agenda that Brent Venables has gone on. That was the Bob Stoops agenda. So we just got to keep it going. Got to keep it going. Now, let's say we don't land Chris. And we talked about this in the green room. Where does Oklahoma go? And they threw out an offer to, and I Totally just forgot his last name since we started talking, but it's Antoine Junick. June June Junick. Did I get it right? That's him. Yeah, close enough. Close enough. Close enough. Uh, for those of you, <laughs> yeah, for those of you who aren't aware who this guy is, twenty-eight solo tackles, twelve sacks, five forced fumbles, forty-six total tackles uh, from the University of Albany. And you might be like, Albany? Why do we want a kid from there? Um, Remember the guy named Jared Verse down at Florida State? Going to be a first-rounder? Same tree. Yeah. Same brand. And uh, actually has better stats than Jared Verse did when Jared was at Albany. So I look at this and I say, that's an option. And then I sat here and talked to you about Samson Okunlola, the freshman that's transferring out of Pitt, 6'4", 245 Sandy pounds. Samuel, Samuel, Samuel not, 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 not Samson, Samuel, 18 total tackles, nine solos, five sacks, one forced fumble, one fumble recovery. So where do you think, oh, you can go in there. Do you think they take another defensive lineman if they can't get Chris? Like, where do you think they go and pivot if they can't get Chris? I mean, there's a lot of different options to go. And, and I mentioned this in a video I said earlier today for uh, yesterday, actually, for those that haven't watched, uh, you check it out on my channel. But there's some things that we're missing when it comes to the portal and what we're doing. I know that we want every player that hits the portal the day they hit the portal. But there's also players that haven't hit the portal that I know that we're going after. And, and PG, you know of a few that have been circulating as names that have potentially had some, you know, opportunities for quote-unquote tampering. But but that's the thing. We all know that once the bowl games go through, it's going to be a larger influx. These players have until January 2nd. I was wrong on my videos, not the 4th. January 2nd to hit the portal. Which means that... Whomever heads to the national championship, they may be a little light-handed depending on if those players do want to leave and be prepared for spring ball, which is also a bad thing. I'll put a video out later this morning that's going to talk about the portal itself and just kind of my quorums with the way that it's ran because the bigger issue is, is that because the portal closes so early, most of these kids want to go to their new school in the spring, get that extra workout in before the fall so they have an opportunity to actually start and play next season. Well, they can't do that if they show up in the summertime. It Usually, they're going to be behind because nowadays, kids 
forego their spring semester of high school to go to college and play in spring and get that extra training in. And so when you have those early enrollees, that puts a transfer at a disadvantage. Now, granted, you're going to see some guys hit the portal in the spring still because they can go through spring workouts and recognize, oh, I don't have a chance of playing here. I'm going to bounce. But the ones that have that one-time transfer, they're looking at, okay, let me pick the one place I think I can go. All right, I think I can go here and play. And they want to get there as early as possible so that they're prepared to play in the fall. But, yeah, most of this going on right now, Oklahoma's looking at waiting until later in the portal hours to see who actually gets in to see who's truly potential because a lot of your better players that's going to hit the portal, they're on bowl team rosters now. They're actually starting for some of these schools too. I'll just say it. The name that everybody's watching, David Hicks. That's the one that everybody is watching to say, hey, does he hit the portal after the bowl game? Because here's the other thing. I know a lot of people look at some of those Texas A&M kids and ask why are they still there when some of them hit the portal. Remember, some of these teams are turning over new coaches now. So some of these kids might hang in there until the deadline to get to know the new coaches, get to know the new coordinators to see, okay, do I click or do I leave? So interesting there on the defensive line. And then lastly, offensive line. So you had a couple of visitors this past weekend, and Gino Vandemark and Fabici, and you said it was Weiwu. Weiwu, yeah. Wait, wait, Fubichi, woo, not woo, woo. no way, yeah. wait, I've been saying yeah. it wrong, but Fabichi Wei Woo. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, Jay. I feel like Oklahoma's pretty good to land both of these guys, and if you land these two plus what you're bringing in in the recruiting class, um, I'm not saying your offensive line woes are fixed because now you have to piece together an offensive line that can go out there and win you ball games, but <laughs> your offensive line isn't as bad and it isn't in as bad a shape as you thought. Yeah. And I think, I think, look, we got Bill Beatonbow, right? I mean, we've seen Beatonbow put guys in the NFL. He's probably got three guys that's going to get drafted this year in some capacity between the first round and the seventh. He does a really good job putting guys in the league, and NFL coaches know him. They know him. They know Schmitty. They know them both by name. And with so many players that have come through their systems, you know, they know what they're capable of and what they produce. So because of that, there's no true concern of, a, of an offensive lineman coming out of Oklahoma, and there's really no true concern about an Oklahoma offensive line. Give them the summer, the spring and the summer, we'll have a good line, regardless of who we throw out there. They'll, they'll make them work the way they need to work, and they'll bring in additional players as we see fit. I expect additional players coming in probably in the spring transfer window. I also anticipate some of the young players we already have, like Heathu Zeta as well as Logan Holland and uh, Joshua Bates and then Troy Ever. I expect a lot of the younger players to actually get some run too. Yeah, and I'm excited for Logan Howland. I think uh, they brought him in to play on the left side of the offensive line. And in high school, he was actually playing tight end up until his last year. So he's only yep. played on the offensive line one year. So there's a lot of upside there for Logan. And then Heath Ozida is just a big dude. So you expect for him. One of the biggest questions I have for the offensive line, and you might be able to answer this or at least have a take on it, Jake Taylor, right? So he had that injury in the Cheez-It Bowl. And we really, I don't think we've seen what he's going to look like post-injury 
I think he's the big question mark because if he comes and he's healthy and he's able to produce like he was in his freshman season, um, you're definitely in nowhere near as bad a shape as anybody I talked about because then you have Sexton who has started games for you, Jake Taylor who has played well for you at times when he needed to, and then you've got Troy Everett who was a freshman All-American who yeah. I definitely think is going to take the starting role. And then you only have to fill two spots, right? That's only two people that you have to work on developing a completely new chemistry with that haven't been in that room. Yeah. The big thing with him is, is that it's just making sure he's healthy. You know, him and Jacob Sexton are both two offensive linemen that honestly could play now. And if you put those two together, oof, that left side would be fortified, right? And, 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 that's really what matters, right? Is making sure that we have Jackson Arnold's blind side protected, but putting those two together. Yeah. I'm totally here for it. Yeah. Hopefully we'll get to see a little bit of both of them in the bowl game because I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, you know what? If Oklahoma go out there and lose the bowl game, but if I go out there and I see really good things from the offensive line and Jackson Arnold and some of these younger dudes, Hey, you know what? I, I will be Really excited going the next season, and I think that'll be a lot of momentum around the fan base there. But Jay, uh, go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you at. Where the, where can they find your content? Because you had some good content uh, today. Yeah, just follow me on YouTube, uh, Jay. Uh, search for Unfair Sports. My bad, Jay Smith. Unfair Sports, as mm-hmm. well as wherever podcasts are downloaded and listened to. Follow me also on Twitter. That's what I was about to say. Just follow me on Twitter mm-hmm. at Unfair Sports as well if you want to see the uh, the updates of when that content comes down the line or just find me on the, the YouTubes. Thanks, BG, for having me as usual. Oh, no, thanks for coming on. We'll have to do an Alamo Bowl preview because uh, I feel like it's going to be a rough one. But if you guys haven't already, make sure you hit that like, hit the subscribe button, jump down in the comments, join the discussion, let us know what y'all's thoughts are.